Hey there, welcome to the Northwest Audio Podcast Midweek Formation. My name is Nick, I'm the community pastor here at Northwest, and I'm here with our lead pastor, Luke. Today we're going to be talking about Luke's message from Sunday called The Widow and Her Persistence. As always, if you missed it, you can go back and listen to it on whatever platform you're on right now. If you just go back an episode, you'll find it right there. Uh, And I also want to say we've got some exciting things to share with you at the end of the podcast today, so be sure to stick around for that. So, let's get into it. The the Persistent Widow. Such an amazing story. I Can I be honest with you? In I my years so. of in my years of studying the Bible, mm-hmm. I don't think I've read that story more than maybe once in my whole life. Well, I'm with you. Or even heard. I don't think I've ever heard it taught. That's for sure. I've never heard it taught. I've never taught it, and I've never spent any time in it. Yeah, I've just read that's over just like it. such. A, I feel like it's such like a. You know, it's just not the standout parable. Nope. That you think of. It's a diamond in the rough. It is a diamond in the rough, buried deep beneath all the rough all the (laughs) whatever the rough is (laughs) yeah no i thought it was i i just i i just so appreciate how jesus takes the everyday stuff of life in his context and is able to um present this super compelling uh narrative you know this parable this you know this fictional story with realistic implications but it's like three paragraphs long and yeah. there's a whole story in there. It's That's what I short, thought was yeah. interesting is like, this is actually a pretty short parable, but you can spend many days, yeah. a lifetime, just considering the implications from it. Yeah. Well, I liked that, you know, I feel like 15 minutes into your sermon, you had already finished the story and I was like, whoa, <laughs> it's already over? <laughs> what do you mean it's over already? <laughs> Speed Sunday. Speed Sunday. We're going to get you out of here fast. Which is not what happened at all. No. Um, yeah. Yeah. It was really it was really encouraging to see how uh, our church responded to that parable. It was really encouraging to see how the Spirit brought it to life yeah. in a way that um, any one of us could put ourselves in the widow's shoes and be like, "Wow, I can almost, you know, the empaths of the room can almost feel what the widow felt, right?" Yeah. And consider her her plight yeah now one thing i want to talk about um a little bit is this idea of you know the pain that doesn't get resolved gets transferred um do you want to just like expand a little bit on like what that looks like the implications of that yeah i think that you know part of it is just being married to a mental health provider nick and just picking up these little bits and pieces and language over many years of being married to someone like that and um, how the the beautiful intersection of, you know, theology, biblical studies, and mental health, and how, um, you know, the two can really bring the human condition to the surface mm. in a really clear way. Yeah. And any any pain that goes unresolved um, stays unresolved. Right. But in that place of perpetual pain we will do things to try to um, handle the pain on our own. And those things are usually inappropriate, like projection. And so we will project pain onto other people. We might not even know that we're doing it. Yeah. And they're usually unsuspecting people that don't deserve it. I don't all. deserve it at all. And it's like, 
you know, somebody else cut you, but you're bleeding on somebody else that didn't cut you. Mm -hmm. And it's just like this hurt people end up hurting people. And I think that that pain unresolved is pain projected. And then in a family of origin, it's typically pain transferred. And that's really the heartbreak of pain is any pain from a father or a mother that doesn't get fully resolved, whether it's through a therapeutic, through deep, deep, uh, un, uh, going through the process of unlearning that cap, that cataphatic apophatic learning process. I have to unlearn a bunch of things to learn a bunch of new things, like take my old identity out of the box and take God's truths and put it back into the box. And I think that, um, if we don't go through that process of resolution and healing, that pain's going to get transferred to our children or that pain's going to get transferred to our, our grandchildren. You want to talk about generational, uh, grip, like strongholds. Mm -hmm. That's what we're talking about. Yeah. Generational strongholds are really just pains and traumas unresolved and they get transferred on and God can break that quite easily. We just have to let him. And it, you know, going back to last week, it's again, that bringing up like choose your pain Yeah. and, you know, and, and allowing God, the Holy spirit to, um, heal that pain. I think what we see in the widow, Nick is, um, obviously she's crying out to the wrong person, but Jesus uses that as a rhetorical device to teach. I am the right person. Right. And so if the corrupt judge is going to do the right thing, how much more would your God do the right thing and for the right reasons? And so there's something to the unceasing um, prayers of persistence that really touches the heart of God and that really um, brings an answer to us. And my hope and prayer was just to bring a spirit of energy and enthusiasm and trust that your prayers are being heard and listened to and the the daily and nightly crying out to God in desperation is a beautiful, beautiful way to bring your pain to the right, to the right person. Um, and man, I just, can you imagine how different our lives would look if we, like the widow, took our pain and our questions and our waiting and our desires to God nightly and daily and daily and nightly, how different would our faith be? How different would our trust in God be? Yeah. Well, it almost makes me think of, um, I was praying this morning and just thinking about like the, when we say that, you know, I can't find God, it's often because we're not looking. It's often because we're not looking for him. And it's like, you know, if you would just look even to the point where it feels stupid, like, if you would just look for God, even in the smallest, most mundane, dumb things of, like, I see God in the trees. Like, you know, like, <laughs> stuff that feels dumb. Yeah. But, like, if you would just look for God in every single moment, if you would be persistent in that way to to seek after God's presence and seek after um, God's voice, like, you will be surprised at, at how it, it is there. It's there. It's just we never quiet everything else down enough that, like, to actually see it. To actually hear it yeah and so i think that with this being persistent in that is just a, it's a constant reminder you're constantly reminding yourself that it's not in your hands you are constantly reminding yourself that that god's got you covered you're constantly reminding yourself that god will take care of you and and the more you're reminded of that the more you can sit in in peace with that too yeah yeah sitting in peace and sitting in anxiety while waiting are not the same sitting. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yep. 
And I think that the crying out day and night and night and day, um, whether it is, um, you know, the, the comment of like unresolved pain is kind of like the baseline. There's all these other like nuances, like how mm-hmm. about the desires of my heart, like Kristen's story, right? Yeah. So like the desire of her heart was to be a mom. The pain was that she wasn't. Yeah. Right. And so there's obviously there's some nuance here that we have to consider, but if we knew that God does, that God is, is working on it, you know, that, that example of the thread and the yarn taking a weavers during the medieval Renaissance periods, five to eight months with five weavers to create something beautiful. I think that's a, a pretty good analogy to understand how like your cries in your prayers are being heard and God is working on it. We just don't like that God's taking his time to work on it. Yeah. <laughs> we just want God to like finish it. Right. And I think that um, <clears throat> there is a lesson of patience on our part that yeah. we must accept. I mean, it, after all, it is a fruit of the Holy Spirit. Yeah. We need to move beyond the instant gratification that we, need, we, that need to we move, feel. We need to move on. Yes. We need to we need to stop pushing God to go faster than what his work will produce. Yeah. And God is going to only produce beautiful outcomes for his children. And if that takes some time, then that is within God's like privilege to do. Yeah. <clears throat> I, had, so, yeah. I had someone tell me that uh, God is slow and, and that that's the best thing that like, if you think about all of the good things in life, those are things that take time. Relationship is slow. Love is slow. Anger is fast. It's something that you just, it's a reactive thing. Love is something that's slow and built over time. Trust is slow. Mistrust, like, and distrust, like, you know, losing faith in someone, that's something that happens quickly. And so it's like all of these good things about God and who God is are things that take time. And, And we just want the fast, 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 fast. But God's like, hey, like you can't have the good stuff. Like the good, the good stuff isn't there unless you, you put in the time for it. You have to, you have to, you have to chase after that. It does that long obedience in the, in the same direction. Mm. You have to chase after this for a long period of time. If you want to actually see the fruit, um, yeah. it's that analogy of, um, what's that one, that one tree, the bamboo. No, 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 Not the bamboo. The other tree that like doesn't produce fruit for like seven years. Like it takes, it takes a bunch of years. Oh, I don't know. I, mean, I I know an apple tree takes many years to start producing apples. It might be that one. Okay. Apple tree takes a ton of years to produce apples. And in those first several years, it doesn't produce anything. Squat. Yeah. <laughs> Nothing. Yeah. And it's like, if you, you know, if you are inexperienced as a farmer and you plant an apple tree, those first several years, you're going to be so angry <laughs> because you're like, why isn't it producing apples? And then you might even throw it away. You might even like take it out of the ground and say, it's no good. It's a no good tree. Right. But in reality, you're just not patient enough. In reality, you're just not waiting to see that like, maybe, maybe it's just out of your control. You know, it's just, yeah. a, it's a lesson in patience there. Um, in understanding that, that God doesn't view time the way that we do. Yeah. No, that's so good. But there's another there's another side to that coin though, which I I do I did want to talk about after after yesterday is what about when God doesn't answer? 
Mm. Or what about when God doesn't answer the way that we wanted him to, not just in the time frame that we want, but doesn't answer the way we want. Like surely there are people that have struggled with infertility that wanted to be parents. You know, there, there are Christians out there that didn't get the child. Sure. There are people that didn't get the prayer answer that they wanted. And so it's like, how do how would you say, like, what would you say to that person to navigate through that and like, to say, God, God hears your cries, God hears your cries, and yet they're sitting here saying, then why, why haven't the, why hasn't the desire been met? You know? Man, it's such a hard question. And I know, that's why I asked you. <laughs> why? Well, I, I, don't, I don't know that I have an answer that's satisfactory. I, you know, our listeners, my guess is that there are people listening right now that's like, yeah, why not? Yeah, Luke. Yeah. Why? Why? <laughs> why? Why doesn't God, you know, answer? Um, and I, I just taking this back to Scripture. God does answer usually in three, three ways: yes, no, or says nothing, right? <laughs> and um, I can't help but wonder if, like, the no is out of protection. He does that with Old Testament characters all the time. There's so much stubbornness in the Old Testament characters that he props up to lead. And there's lots of no's and they end up being out of protection. Um, the yeses are, are beautiful, but when God is silent and God doesn't respond, I can't help but wonder if he really still is like operating out of a tapestry mindset. Hmm. He's like, yeah, I'm silent right now because if I gave you a no, or if I gave you a yes right now, the tapestry response that I'm currently working on, would not be as beautiful as it needs to be for you. And so is the pain of infertility real? Yes. And, um, is, you know, is the pain of a child unhealed real? Of course is a terminal illness that wasn't healed painful. Of course. I don't know why God doesn't answer those prayers quickly enough so that that person was saved or that mother can, or that woman can become a mother. But I knew, I do know that just because God did not answer them with a yes, that he is somehow no longer good. Right. Or is somehow no longer sovereign over that situation yeah. and scenario. I think what it comes down to is it almost comes down to a Like if I feel like God isn't answering the prayer in the way that I want him to, Rather than, rather than saying, oh, God's not good, I, I instead flip it and say, I know that God is good, and so there must be something different going on here. I might be asking yeah. the wrong questions. I might be praying the wrong prayer. I might be praying for something to happen that God's like, that's not what needs to happen. Yeah. What needs to happen is this over here. You know, to use a, a, a different example... Um, you know, if you are in conflict with somebody, okay, and you're not getting along and you pray that they would be changed, you know, you're like, would God just change them, make them see what, what's going on. Okay. While that is an, a raw and honest prayer, God might be sitting there listening to you saying, do you not see that you also need to change? Do you not see that? Like you are, you are not necessarily without fault here. Right. And so there's almost a level of like, 
you're praying a prayer that, that you want and that's real and that's a real desire, but that might not be the thing that is like necessary or the thing that has the most fruit in the, the kingdom of God as a whole and in the world as a whole. Yeah. You're, de- you're describing like the, the prayers of God, give me the outcome I want. Yes. While I can't help but wonder if God is saying, I want to turn you into the kind of person that can handle the outcome you don't want. Yeah. Well, and the type of person that wants the outcome that he wants. Yeah. I think that oftentimes when Jesus says, um, you know, ask and it will be given to you, I think it usually has to do like, there's like an asterisk there that's like, but let me form you to, to have certain desires. Like, you know, if your desire is for, you know, your enemy to die, like if that's your desire, then like, that's not God's desire. Okay. Like that's (laughs) not like you have to realize that God's not going to be like, Oh, ask and it shall be given to you. You know, like, here you go. Like God has his own desires and his own plan that he wants to work through his own, his own goal that he wants to see the world restored to him. And if, and if we are, are more concerned with our own agenda, if we are more, con- more concerned with our own desires and our own outcomes that we desire more than his, and we, c- we can't come to terms with, with the phrase, your will be done, yeah. then that's, that's a different story. Yeah, I, it makes me think of, uh, I think it's either First Thessalonians or second. I'll just go with first. First Thessalonians 4.3. Um, I think it says something, in fact, this is a paraphrase, like God's will for your life. And then there's like a colon and it says your sanctification. <laughs> and so, <laughs> and so, uh, Jesus is, uh, excuse me, uh, Paul is writing this, uh, this letter to the church in Thessalonica. I think, um, many people call it Thessalonica. I actually discovered it's actually pronounced Thessalonica, which is kind of interesting. I've heard so many pronunciations. I know we're going to go with Thessalonica cause it sounds more I've natural, also heard Thessalonica and I'm like, Ooh, that is just a mouthful. I'm like, <laughs> sounds like a cell phone. Um, <laughs> So Paul is Paul is writing this letter to the church in Thessalonica, and he is describing how God's will for them is their sanctification. And apart from the very small handful of people throughout Scripture where God had a very, very, very specific assignment that had to do with the Hebrew nation becoming God's people and then the church— uh, becoming instituted on, on, on earth. Um, it just goes to show you that like many of our prayers, uh, are too general. And then many of our prayers are too specific. Mm. I think, I wonder if the cries of our hearts and the, the, um, the nightly cries, the, the daily cries, the, the, the morning prayers, you know, I have found myself starting to pray something different, which is Lord, develop me into the kind of leader who can withstand added pressure. Yeah. And so like, that's a different, that's a different outcome. Yeah. You know, and I think that many of us just so desperately want to control the outcome of things rather than God developing us individually into the kind of people that can handle, withstand and embrace any outcome, whether it is our desire or not. Yeah. And, what is the, uh, is it, 
the, the scriptures blank in my head and you might have to look it up for me, but that God gives us the desires of our hearts and how frequently we frequently that's been taught that, um, God deliver, like God answers our prayers. God gives us the desires of our hearts. Like a genie would give us our wishes and how that's a really upside down interpretation of that passage. It's actually that God gives us the desires of our hearts. Like he is the one that put that desire there. Mm. And how important that is to understand that God is the kind of God who puts desires in our hearts. And he might put those desires there for a number of reasons. He might put that desire there so that when he fulfills that desire, we worship him in response. He might put that desire there so that we become the kind of person that cries out to him day and night and night and day. And even if he doesn't answer that specific desire, he knew that that desire was going to be the thing that brought you closer to him. Hmm. So I just I think that we just need to acknowledge that God um, is so supremely sovereign over everything in the world and everything in our heart and the nuances that go on in our heart. And we want to control the outcomes and he wants to grow our character. Yeah. That's uh, Psalm 37, four. It says, uh, this is interesting. It's like what we said earlier, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. But if you're delighting yourself in the Lord, guess what your desires are going to be? They're going to be just like his. I think they're going to be <laughs> desires that he's placed there. They're, they're going to be desires that line up with his heart and with his yeah. with his desires. So if your desire is to have a family, like that is a beautiful desire that I believe God placed in your heart. If your desire is for the healing of, of a family member, like I think it's a beautiful desire that God is clear. Like I don't know anybody that wouldn't want that. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like you'd have to have a pretty corrupt heart. Yeah to you know not want to have somebody healed yeah i think all in all and and you even kind of touched on this in your message but all in all it comes down to a we need to unlearn this idea that our definition of quick our definition of good and our definition of right are all things that we think are absolute but they're not like those aren't the things that are unchanging. The thing that is unchanging is is that God is good and that God does things, you know, like you said, God is doing things at the he's doing the right things for the right reasons at the right time. And so although it doesn't seem like it for us in God's grand scheme, in God's grand story, in his grand narrative, it's absolutely the right thing for the right reason at the right time. And we just don't necessarily have the same kind of foresight that God does. You know, it's that Isaiah passage that, you're, you know, God's ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. We're not going to be able to comprehend on that kind of level. We're just not. Um, I even saw a, a video uh, recently that was like, he related it to a child that observes well, but doesn't understand well. And how a child, you know... Um, sees things happening around them but they their explanation for it doesn't make any sense you know what i mean and so he's using this illustration of like kids observe everything they observe reality around them but they do a just terrible job interpreting it and he used examples like you know this little girl thought that you know 
the, the people were born with bangs and so when she didn't have bangs and everyone else did around her she was super upset just she was like i'll never have bangs you know or or things like um you know he he thought that the vhs tape wow really aging ourselves here vhs tapes <laughs> uh, the vhs tape had like actual little people in it showing the showing the movie and so that when you put the vhs tape on the shelf it was like how are they how are they gonna survive how are they gonna go to the bathroom are they gonna do all the things you know it's just those are just like silly examples of like we view the world around us we view the bad things happening we view the the quote-unquote unanswered prayers and the uh, uh the unmet desires of our hearts and we interpret that as oh like god must not love me or god must not hear me but we're just we're not interpreting things correctly you know it, it's it's like a child observing things that don't make sense to them because we don't have the 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 rounded we don't have the um the full picture that god has yeah we don't have the full story yeah right? and so th- this is the this is the danger of um putting bookends on your situation mm. and saying that like nothing's ever going to change yeah. right and or nothing you know or god doesn't care does god doesn't hear me and you know a minute ago you asked me like what would you say to the person who's uh, who didn't end up getting pregnant, who didn't have, you know, someone get healed. And like, um, I would also say like, stay persistent. Yeah. Right. Stay persistent because the text actually reads, and then Jesus told them this parable so that they always ought to pray, never lose hope, never lose heart, never give up. Okay. I want to share a story with you. It serves as an anecdote to what we're talking about. But when I graduated undergrad, I immediately applied to a graduate school in seminary. Yeah. Um, excuse me, in uh, Seattle, rather. It was a seminary in Seattle, and uh, I was really excited about this particular school. It had a high emphasis on the arts. It had a high emphasis on like the intersection of theology and culture. And I was like, "This is this is my next step." And so, a, a group of friends from from um, Anderson University, which is my alma mater. We drove in my 1998 Dodge Durango all the way to Seattle, Washington to interview at this particular school. Now, at the time, I was like, this is my next step. At the time, I was like, this is what God wants for me. Like, this is the desire of my heart. Like, at the time, it was the desire of my heart. It was my next step. It was my plan. And the interviews didn't go all that well, and I didn't really know where I stood in their eyes because they had a really limited selection to their program. And then I left there from Seattle. I was there for like a day or two interviewing. And then I drove to Durango, Colorado, uh, where I spent the rest of the summer um, after my my um, year in college, uh, my, excuse me, my senior year in college to do a summer camp deal. Um, it was awesome. I got a letter in the mail at my summer camp. Dear Luke, we uh, regretfully inform you that we're not accepting you to our fall program. Rejected. <laughs> totally rejected. <laughs> At the time, I was crushed. You know, I was just like, this was it. I don't understand. Why didn't I get accepted to this program? Like, I was a decent student in undergrad. I mean, I was, you know, I was no, like, you know, Victorian of any kind. But, like, I was an okay student, and I just had a desire to go on. And I remember my camp counselor, uh, excuse me, my camp director there. I was a camp counselor. Uh, I remember the camp director there. Uh, he had finished his seminary at, at Denver Seminary, and he. I told him about the, the notice, and he was just like, "Oh, dude, don't let a don't let a seminary's rejection get you down, man. 
And he just kind of like brushed it off. I was like, but the pain's real. <laughs> I was so like crushed by that rejection. Okay, fast forward about uh, like four years. I was a youth pastor at a church here in town. I was like 23, 22, 23. can't really remember now. Um, but I um, was on staff at that church and we hosted a marriage conference. And so these like, you know, big wig kind of marriage people came in. Uh, and the presenter was also a pastor from from Washington. And I, the, the pastors got kind of access to him and his wife backstage. And it was kind of like this, you know, high profile deal. And was, he looked took one look at me in my skinny jeans and like my beanie. He's like, you must be the youth pastor. And I'm like, how'd you know? <laughs> and so he <laughs> gives me a big hug, which I thought was really odd. Um, and I go, hey, I applied to a seminary in your part of town. He goes, oh, yeah. What seminary was that? And I told him. He goes, and they rejected you? I go, yeah, it was really hurt, really painful. He goes, bro, God was protecting you. I know that school. You would have never opened a Bible in all of your years there. Ooh. And in that moment, I, mean, I just got chills just telling that story again. And in that moment, I realized that sometimes the desires of my heart mislead me. Yeah. And I would even go even further than that. Sometimes the desires of your heart take you to a place so that God can lead you to another place. Like yeah. if you wouldn't, if you wouldn't have desired that school, you wouldn't have learned this lesson. Yeah. Or if you wouldn't have desired that school, then you wouldn't have had that interaction. And if you wouldn't have desired the school, gotten rejected, then you wouldn't have had those conversations that you had. You know what I mean? Like uh, I think of my own story with me and Maddie. If God did not call me, call me and call Maddie to that small dinky school in California with 500 people at it, like total, like, you know, this is not your, your, your typical Christian college that people want to go to. We both ended up there. And then after a year, we both left together. And it was like, if I hadn't been led to that school with this mindset of I'm going to be at the school, I'm going to get my worship degree and I'm going to be a worship pastor at the church that I attend right now. That was my thought process when I was there. Hmm. But if I wouldn't have been led there to, with that desire and with that, that, you know, future in mind, then I wouldn't have found Maddie and we wouldn't have been led here to do this Yeah. and be here. And, and there are even like Maddie and I were talking about this the other day. There's just, there's even more situations like that one within our story in the last four years of just like, oh my gosh, like God just was opening the right doors and closing all of the right ones all at the same time, just like guiding us on this path that we didn't mm. even realize. He was leading us to one spot just to close the door so he could show us the next one. Yeah. And it's like, sometimes God's just taking you through a little bit of a maze. It might feel like that sometimes. Well, he's just so much more sovereign than we give him credit yes, for. Yes, and, he, and he, he's so much better than we give him credit yeah. for, too. We... We just, we love to put God in a box of our circle, like, like that is determined by our circumstances. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh, dude. And I'll tell you like that desire to go on in schooling didn't change. Right. But it did lead me to a new opportunity. Oh yeah. In Phoenix, Arizona, where I was accepted to a, a seminary there. No. Yeah. And, um, it just, it just goes well, to and then show you, did you ministry, that like, and then you did ministry in, in Phoenix. Yeah. 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 And it just, it just goes to show you that like. The desires of your heart, um, 
if you take control of fulfilling those desires, it might not turn out the way you want. If you give God control yeah. of fulfilling those desires, I think that what we see is the cries of our heart and that persistence to never give up will always lead you to a place that God wants you it's mysteriously, to learn from in some way. It's mysteriously connected to God's sovereignty. Yeah. It's, it's the yarn and it's the thread of God's tapestry. And, and without that yarn, without that thread, like we must be people, Jesus people must be people who cry out day and night and night and day, giving God the yarn, giving God the thread to weave this tapestry answer. Yeah. And it could be a, a chat GPT response. It could be quick or it could take many, many, many years. I, yeah. I mean, I've seen God answer prayers in like literally like a day. I've yeah. seen that. I have stories to tell about that. But there's just as many that yeah. are like, oh yeah, there was a lifetime before I saw change, yeah. or it was, or it was many years before I saw breakthrough. Yeah. Before we close up and give some final encouragements, I do want to just clarify um, one thing. We've been talking a lot about the desires of our hearts um, in this podcast, and I do want to, um, I just want to clarify that there is a difference between fleshly desires and godly desires. Ah, uh, I'm so glad that you um, said that, man. I just I don't want anyone to be like, you know. I desired this one thing and God didn't give it to me. Well, that's because it's because you desired to rob a bank. Yeah. What were you thinking? Yeah. 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 It's like, <laughs> you know what I mean? It's yeah. just, we just have to be able to discern, um, before we go off being like, God, give me the desires of my heart. Let's like, let's discern what the desire is, where the desire is coming from. Um, does the, what does the desire benefit? Line it up with scripture. Does the desire line up with what God says? Yeah. Um, and if it doesn't, you know, if it's like against what God says, then maybe that's not a good desire. Maybe that's not a good desire to have. And that's something that yeah. you need to pray about. Yeah. Um, the enemy, the enemy desired to dethrone Christ, right? Yes. So like he, but God's not going to give him the desires no, of his heart. No. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so I just want to just make sure that that's clarified, um, a little bit. And obviously like every other topic that we talk about on here, um, this is, all so much more fruitful in discussion. And so if you are, are wrestling with any of this, um, just, you know, find a time to chat with us, um, get a hold of us. And, and we would love to talk about this kind of stuff with you. Um, so let's do some, some final encouragements and then, uh, I'll give that little special, exciting information. Um, after that. So why don't you start us off with some encouragement? Well, my encouragement is, Quick and simple, it is just to stay persistent. It is to stay persistent. Do not give up crying out to God. Do not give up petitioning God. Do not give up asking the people of God to pray on your behalf. Um, just don't give up. Just stay persistent. How much more will your God hear you and respond quickly? And his version of quickly might be weaving a um, prayer request into a tapestry answer. And so just be persistent do not give up that's good mine would probably be um i think i've said this before and i if i haven't then cool yay um but instead of praying for clarity maybe pray for trust instead of praying that god would just give you all the answers and show you why he's doing what he's doing just pray that you would trust him um that whatever he's doing is good. Um, because I'll tell you right now, 
um, trusting is is way better. <laughs> it, it is. It's um, trusting that God is good and trusting that God has your back um, and, and having that as the absolute truth and saying, I'm going to form my life around this truth that God is good and that God has my back and that I can trust him with whatever whatever he's doing and whatever my life is. Um, that's a lot better than trying to sit there in anguish saying, why is this happening? Why is this happening? I'm trying to understand. God, help me understand. God, make it make sense. But God's sitting there like, it doesn't have to make sense. You just have to trust me. Um, so that's what I would say. Trust that his ways are higher than your ways and his thoughts are higher than your thoughts. If you have any questions or things you want us to talk about on the podcast, you can let us know by going on the media tab on our website at mercyroadnw.com. So we encourage you to do that. And on our website, you'll also be able to find more details and information about our community. And you can get a hold of me or Luke there as well. If you go to our staff page, you'll find our emails there. Uh, so some exciting information. Next week is Holy Week. It's the week that we commemorate and remember the final week of Jesus' life before getting to the cross um, and then raising from the dead on Easter Sunday. And so what we're going to be doing for next week is is podcast-wise, we're going to be doing a podcast every single day. Uh, these are going to be released. They're going to be uh, published at 6 a.m. every morning. They're going to be about 7 to 12 minutes long. There's going to be some reflections and some meditations on um, what each day represents, um, what each day what, what stories in Jesus' life that each day correlates with um, in scriptures. And we're just going to be kind of going through the week to prepare our hearts and center our hearts going into Good Friday and Easter. We feel like this is a really special opportunity to for our own formation um, as a church body to to kind of center ourselves, um, to do more than, than just the bare minimum, to do more than the Sunday morning, to do more than the Friday night, um, and to really just kind of let this story of, of Christ's final week and, and Christ's sacrifice and Christ's resurrection to let those things just kind of permeate within us. Um, and so that's what we're going to be doing next week. We're going to be doing a podcast every day and we hope that you join us and uh, check it out and, and take some time to, to meditate and reflect on those things. So thanks for joining us today and we'll talk to you again soon. Mm-hmm.